you got yourself a rules weenie. Yeah. That's a rules weenie? A rules weenie. <laughs> Hello, welcome to JudgeCast. My name is CJ Schrader. With me as always, my lovely co-host. I think I used that one last time, but they're both here. Jess Dunks, please say hello to the audience. Hello, hello everyone. I'm Jess Dunks. The captive audience. Uh, yeah, well, they're, they're probably not very captive. Like, they could just turn us off if they really wanted to. <laughs> but they don't. Why would they want to? Also, we have Brian Prilliman. Oh, wait. I just figured out why they'd want to. What? Oh, you funny guy. Funny guy. I hate you so much. <laughs> so our really main topic today, we're going to go over the steps of a uh, turn, the steps, phases, turn-based actions, all that fun stuff. But before we get there, Brian Prilliman. Do we have any news? No, we have no news. No news. Nothing newsly. Oh. Uh, but Brian Prilliman was off at GP Philly this past weekend. It was the weekend prior. It was the weekend of San- GP Sandy. Yes, GP Sandy. You know, I do have some news is that I am actually recording from home for the first time ever. I'm not uh, bumming off of someone else's Internet. So that's exciting. Very good. (laughs) I've lived without Internet for two months and I get a very good. Well, you know, for some of us that are old, we remember what it was like before the Internet. Yeah, but you remember what it was like before the wheel. (laughs) Well, (laughs) true story. Okay, sure. Fine. Whatever. You know, you know, I talk about GP Philly. How about that? <laughs> this fire thing. All right. So GP Philly was probably the most bizarre uh, uh, GP just because of the the looming storm. Like we were expecting a huge, huge turnout. We still almost got 2000 players like we were just shy, even with the whole, you know, Armageddon is coming. What was the total turnout? Was it bigger than D.C. was a couple of years ago? It was D.C. Uh, 1931. It was larger than that. It was like 1970 and some. So it's so this was the largest GP in North America. Uh, that is my understanding. Okay. Um. Cool. Uh, the the he made a Chris Richter made a uh the head judge made a really weird announcement. He he said he made an announcement at one point saying this is the largest round four ever. <laughs> because I guess like all the buys the all the yeah. buys came back. This. Yeah, because we're still not entirely recovered from the fiasco that was season one of Planeswalker Points for buys. Saturday, Saturday night was weird because everyone was trying to figure out whether or not their flights were going to be canceled or not. And Sunday was the day where everyone was trying to reschedule their flights. And it's really kind of hard uh, when the phones, you know, have people on hold, like the wait time on so- at some airlines was like eight or nine hours. Oof. People trying to get out, but, uh, uh, we ended up starting. We ran the event was, uh, on Saturday. We did nine rounds and then a 10th round after the cut. So we actually did the cut, um, and then to like 230, 240 some odd players and then played round 10 that night with the sealed decks that they'd been playing that day. And then the next morning we started an hour earlier mm-hmm. than initially planned, like all to kind of try and, you know, give people as much time to get away from the storm. And it was actually kind of funny because like, okay, everyone's in for the first draft. Only like 10 people dropped between for the second draft. And then like people just rare drafted and then dropped and left. <laughs> um, 
That's so amazing. that was that was that was a little awkward. Um, yeah, myself, uh, like right after they released us, uh, I had managed to rent a car and change my flight. I rented a car and drove all the way to Richmond, like drove overnight to Richmond. Yeah. To to hop on a plane at five a.m. in the morning to to escape, but yeah, it, the the way people made it sound because all the tweets and stuff I read, it, it made it sound like like in Twister when they're trying to outrun the 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 uh, <laughs> why don't I just make a Twister reference? But when they're trying to outrun the tornado, everyone made it sound like that's like Hurricane Sandy was a thing you could see coming, and they're just all running as fast as they can to get away from it. It it felt that way. Yeah, it really did. Uh, I mean, you couldn't like look out and see it, but I mean, when the sky started getting dark and stuff, and the wind started picking up, you were like, "Well, it's only a matter of time." And none of the airlines, like U.S. Air, you know, those I'm doing the editing, those <laughs> um, wouldn't cancel the flight. Like they didn't cancel the flight until like an hour beforehand. Like the whole state is in a de- has been declared a state of emergency, and U.S. Air is like, "Nope, our flights are still on time, so you have to pay to change your flight." Mm. You know, I got to say, everyone that stuck around, you know, doing the top eight, uh, Chris Richter, Jared, those guys who, who, you know, basically had to hunker down, you know, the, the TO staff, those guys that stayed late, uh, they, a lot of them ended up getting stuck for several days. Mm-hmm. Big, big thanks to those guys for, for, uh, staying behind so that others could flee. That was really cool. Yeah. Uh, Don't worry about me. Save <laughs> yourselves. Speaking of a uh, weather talk. Somehow tangentially related to Storm, somehow related to, hey, in, any interesting rulings or anything from GP Philly? Okay, so every single stab wound question came up. Every single possible stab wound question. All right, so here's, here's, a, here's a question for you guys. Okay. This one, this one caught me by surprise. Active player, active player has a creature enchanted with non-active players' stab wounds. Okay. So we'll say it's Abe's turn. He has a creature enchanted with Ned's stab wound. Okay. Uh, Abe's turn begins. Untap, upkeep, draw, main phase, plays a land, goes to attack. And then when he taps his creature, he sees the stab wound and goes, oh, yeah, stab wound, and writes down minus two of minus two life total change. Yeah. Wow. Non-active player. Whose stab wound it is? Hand shoots up. Judge, judge. Huh? Can he do that? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> okay, non-active player whose trigger it was. Okay, calls for judge and asks, "Can he do that?" I think that's a reasonable question. His 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 logic was this: Jackie Lee thing's got me scared. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. fair. It's like okay. Uh, but yeah, I'd say, you know, so, okay, I can see you going two ways here, right? Is one is by writing it down, it meant that you did want to put it on the stack, right? Like if you, if you were asked this question, you did want to put it on the stack, but the other hand is, well, you haven't been asked yet whether or not you want to put it on the stack because the trigger was missed, obviously. Right. That was, that was the thing. The active, the active player didn't know that he had the, he didn't know that he had the choice. Yeah, so we should mention real quick before we go any deeper in this uh, stab wound. The relevant part reads, at the beginning of the upkeep of Enchanted Creatures Controller, that player loses two life. It's an aura. So if I stab wound Brian's creature, I control the stab wound, so I control the trigger. So it's up to me to remember it, even though it's on Brian's creature. And that's where this whole discussion stems from. Right, right, right. but the, the issue here is, 
not whether or not he would choose, because you can't just choose later on. If something's gone wrong in the game and somebody's missed a trigger, you need to call a judge. Mm-hmm. You can't just decide, oh, we're going to fix this ourselves. Right. So the, the short answer to can he do that is no, no, he can't. Um, okay. Yeah, I think I like, like that too, actually. Well, that that was that was the – there are two, two decisions uh, or two possible choices you can make. You can either say – uh, no, he's not able to to put that trigger on the stack. And the the other option, the other choice is, well, oh no, he chose to put the trigger on the stack, and he did so by losing the two life. So yes, he can. So there was there was some debate back and forth. Sounds like he resolved that trigger to me. Versus, no, you can't. Now we have to explain what's going on and give you the choice. Yeah, I mean, I argued. I think Jess touched on this. Is that it, the players, it's not up to them to uh, execute the fix for a penalty, for an infraction, I should say, not a penalty. So they can't they can't make that decision to lose two life and never get a judge involved. It, and, and in this situation, you might go, well, it's harmless enough. What's the problem? Right. And in truth, in this situation, there's really not a problem. But if the players yeah. get into that habit and we set a precedent that's okay for the players, they'll start doing it when it does become a problem. Yeah. And, and I, so I, I don't think that that uh, I like letting players fix things on their own. Now, that being said, I totally understand where you're coming from with the, well, he put this on the stack. So the first question I'm probably going to ask is, why didn't you call a judge when you you notice this? Why did you just write down two life? To the active player? Yeah, to the active player. Because I was supposed to lose two life. I was supposed to lose two life, so I just lost two life. Is that how he talks? Shrug. 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 Yeah, that's awkward. (laughs) He's like, I didn't see it. I saw it when I attacked, so I just wrote it. And so I was like, Oh yeah, stab wound. Do, do, do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so what ended up being the ruling here? So the end. Of the the ruling. Okay, for me was nope. You put that trigger on the stack, and there's your two life. And uh, we had some we had some discussions, and it is you know about we had some discussions, and it's been about. Uh, I'd say about sixty forty as to as to who uh, as, as to which way to go. You know, there is so much controversy over how to handle some of these mistriggers. Stab wound is often at the center of it, but you know, like that I think other, that other tithe one too yeah. is yeah, I mean, it's tithe. and I think that somebody somebody needs to do something about this. Well, and, and so I'm I'm sitting here as we're recording this, and I'm watching the. The uh, the election coverage, mm-hmm. and and I currently see that there that there are still enough electoral votes out that if one person got all of them, <laughs> that they could become president. So so I'm I'm we're gonna get this out as soon as we can, and I'm gonna announce my bid for the presidency so that I can fix missed triggers. So if everybody <laughs> votes for me, write me in right now. That's that's your platform. <laughs> so that's my platform. That's your platform. Missed triggers all the way. We're gonna fix. <laughs> we're gonna fix miss these cards. Um, I think it's too bad. That's the policy. <laughs> yeah. what's, sir, Jess, what's what's your opinion on the economy? Well, um, you know, it, I'm just don't miss your triggers. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what do you, what do you, how do you, how do you feel about the 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 housing bailout from a few years ago? Dude, they missed. Their well, that triggers. was part of the that was part of the uh, you know the M10 rules change. So <laughs> lapsing. Uh, that, was, that was a lapsing lapsed. bailout. Um, <laughs> So yeah, like that's the, you know, just we'll just get this out, and then uh, as soon as people hear it, of course they'll all run to the polls and vote, oh. and uh, and I'll I'll just carry the entire West Coast since they're not finished voting yet, 
and uh, it'd, it'd be great. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we have roughly 250 million listeners, so oh yeah, easy. should be set. Easy. easy. I mean, yeah. Take that, Judge Cast North. I mean, I could give it another half hour and still, you know, yeah. make no I'm kidding. Like, <laughs> in fact, if you do manage to hear this before the before the polls are closed and you write me in, something is really wrong with you. Don't do that. <laughs> I think I think the polls are probably going to be closed by the time CJ gets me the files. So let's not burst oh. the bubble. What? Not burst that. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna edit this I part out. Believe, sir. What you're editing that out? I'm gonna ed- no the part where I burst CJ's bubble. Oh okay. I'll cut that. You're going edit mad. I'm not gonna edit anything. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. I'm basically I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna listen for curse words and like <laughs> and like if I say something stupid. And that's and that's how the editing is going to work. Okay, well, the CJ school of editing then. <laughs> oh, there we go. Yeah. All right. Well, did you have any okay. other exciting topics from the GP, or do you want to move on to our main topic? Uh, step by step. No, I mean, it was, it was, see, the real question you need to ask is which one of you is going to be my VP, right? Oh, can you have? <laughs> I didn't even think about it. What's that? Oh, hey, CJ, yeah. are we going to fight? Uh, that's improperly determining a winner. What? Well, see, the problem Sorry. is one of you is from Florida, right? Like, right? Yeah. Well, you like, kind of need the Florida votes. What's that? You need the Florida votes. That's obviously. Yeah, but they've already all voted, so that's kind of a problem. So is Georgia, uh, and it's already been yeah. decided. Like Georgia's been called already, and and we're only like we're, Georgia. Hold on. Before we start, let me go call Toby. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna have an L5 as my running mate. <laughs> Alright, you know, no, 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 enough of that, enough of that. Let's get into it. So, a turn, every turn in Magic has five phases. Brian, tell me what those phases are. Do those even matter really anymore? Shh, they have them. What? They matter on Judge. Every turn has a five step plan. <laughs> it does. <laughs> Alright, let's see. Five, the five phases are sleepy, Bashful, oh my gosh, grumpy, grumpy sneezy. Yeah, sneezy, definitely sneezy. Sneezy. That's actually how you signal the, that you're done with your turn, is you sneeze at your opponent. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, just don't say okay, because that's ambiguous. Sneezing is fine. Right. <laughs> the five all right, phases. So, all right, the five phases. Uh, the five phases are earth, wind, Water, air, and I, heart. You're about to have a lot of swearing that you're going to need to edit out of this podcast. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. All right. <laughs> the beginning phase, the pre-combat main phase, combat, also battle. Okay, post-combat main and the ending phase. So it's like now, a, some it's of you like may a know, combat sandwich. Some of you may know the main phases as the first main phase and the second main phase, and and casually. Uh, people do refer to them as that, but technically their names are pre-combat main phase and post-combat main phase. Yeah, and I've probably been guilty of calling them first com- or first uh, main and second main. And it's people it, do it all the time. It's a mirror around combat because mm-hmm. you have you have you have combat in the middle, and then you have two main phases, and then you have a beginning and an end on the on the opposite sides. So it's really easy to remember. And then some of those phases has uh, individual steps beneath them. So most of the time, it you I don't think you ever actually really need to know what the phases are, except for judge tests are the only time it actually really ever matters that I can think of. Listen, we're never going to get through all these steps if we keep doing this. Point is, okay. yes. each phase. So most most people don't know these phases, I think is the point yes. that he's trying to make it. And uh, point. so there are some things that happen 
in every step of these phases. Like the, the phases are broken down into steps, but there are certain things that happen in every single step. What 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 are they? Are you asking? I'm asking oh, somebody. Somebody tell me what, what happens in every single step. Every single step. If you have any mana in your mana pool, it empties. So this is every step, even though it is pretty difficult, though not impossible, to get mana in your in your uh, mana pool during the untapped step. It doesn't matter uh, what step it is; it always empties. Or phase, because some phases don't have steps. Yes, mm-hmm. that's fair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, and the other thing that happens uh, within almost every step, and we will get into the exceptions though, is that well, so most steps have this thing the game does and it's called a we call it a turn-based action that means the game is doing something during this step so an easy one is during the draw step you have a turn-based action of drawing a card turn-based actions always happen at the start of the step if if one exists yep. uh, at the end of the step after all turn-based actions are done and all triggers that may have triggered during that step are put on the stack in every step except untap and sometimes cleanup you will get priority so during the upkeep step, during the draw step again, after you draw a card, you get priority. So those are the two things that happen in almost every step, and we don't have to repeat them every time. Just pretend. Okay. We said it I'm happened. Gonna I'm going to pretend. All right, so let's dive right into the beginning <laughs> phase, which I, I want to take the untapped step because it has one of my favorite Let's things. talk about steps, baby. baby. Let's, let's talk, talk about, about you, you and, and me. me. Let's talk about all, yes, all the turns and all the phases that maybe let's talk about steps. <laughs> um, <laughs> that really throws me off. <laughs> so that right, untap step, untap step, untap beginning step. phase. The very first thing that happens is one of my favorites because it almost never comes up. Permanents that are phased out, phase in, and permanents with phasing, phase out. That's the very first thing that happens before you even untap anything. Whoa, phasing. Phasing. I love phasing because I started playing a Mirage, so that's probably why I have a, a partial love of it. Because if you think about it, if things phased back in after untap... Yeah, it'd be awkward. Boy, that would be really bad. So, And like you just mentioned, the very next turn-based action for the untap step is you untap everything that is meant to untap. Pretty simple. And finally, nobody gets priority during the untap step. Not sure why. Ever? Ever. 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 What if something what if something triggers during the untap step? Oh, it sits and it waits until a, a player would get priority, the next time a player would get priority to go on the stack, which is in See? deep step. And if you vote for me, I'll change that. I don't think you want to. Because <laughs> here's, here's the thing. I've, I remember... This like going back in the way you know way 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 back. Imagine players if they were like suddenly able to like sacrifice things before their upkeep or do stuff to get rid of pesky things that might trigger during their upkeep. Oh, like if they untapped all their land and now they have mana and now they can do something to get rid of that thing that's going to trigger during their upkeep. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I wasn't sure why you wouldn't get priority on untap, but that's probably exactly why. So speaking of the upkeep, Brian, why don't you uh, talk about it? Okay. Uh, at the beginning of the upkeep, everything that's – well, the upkeep step doesn't really have any special turn-based actions or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It's just like a bucket that holds that, – that just holds what you fill it with, okay, in the sense of anything that has any triggers that trigger off the beginning of your upkeep 
or anything that's triggered since the last time that a player has received priority. For example, Mesmeric Orb. Okay, Mesmeric Orb is a card that says whenever you untap something, uh, mill that mini card, you know, mill card. So you untap, okay, that trigger event happens. And that trigger is just kind of like sitting off there off to the side waiting for a opportunity to go on the stack, which is untap step at the same time as everything that triggers off the beginning of your untap step or the beginning of an upkeep, uh, sorry, the beginning of an upkeep. Mm-hmm. All that goes on, blam, then players get priority and you do a round of the priority dance. So how do you order those triggers? Say I have an untap trigger, you know, something that triggered during my untap, something that triggered during my upkeep. The untap one happened first, so do I get to, so does it go on first? Use app nap order. Mm-hmm. Player puts all of his on the stack in any order he feels like. Ooh. Not have to be the order of the trigger events. It's just, I got, I got eight triggers waiting to go on the stack. I can blam, 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 put them on the stack in any old order I want. Then my opponent, the non-active player, puts his triggers on the stack in any order, but he's putting them in on top of mine. Blam, 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 blam. And then we resolve top to bottom. So his triggers are going to resolve first, then my triggers are going to resolve last. Perfect. But if we don't have none of that stuff, the upkeep just kind of passes like a shrug. Yeah, it does nothing. So, <laughs> Jess, can I draw your attention to the next step? Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> Tough crowd. Uh, yeah. Okay, so my attention is now drawn. <laughs> uh, and anyway, to it. so we have, the, we have the draw step. Now, some players don't realize you can do things during the draw step. Yeah, I don't think uh, they do. So, so we're going to talk about that. The first thing... That happens during the draw step, as we already mentioned, turn-based action, you draw a card. This happens before anybody can, t- can respond, so you can't respond to someone drawing. This is a phrase I hear a lot uh, when people are playing matches. They go, I'll respond to your draw by doing this. You can't do that. Um, but you draw a card, and then triggered abilities will go on the stack, and then uh, and then players get priority, and they can do things during the draw step. Now, why might you ever want to do something during the draw step that you didn't want to do during the upkeep? Well, maybe you've drawn a card that's really awesome. Maybe you're going to rune flare trap your opponent, and they have more cards in hand now. Miracles, uh, but there are definitely miracles. Yeah, miracles are a great way, <laughs> great reason in standard to do that. Um, but probably one of the most important things about the draw step is that this step is actually skipped uh, on the first turn that somebody plays, uh, or first turn of the game. So if I'm, you know, when the first player doesn't draw, that's because they're actually skipping the entire draw step. Yeah. Yeah, they're not skipping the turn-based action of drawing a card. They are skipping the entire draw step. I don't right. know how relevant it is, but it's still relevant. And that's in that's in two-player games. And actually, any game with three players or more, every you know you don't skip that first draw step. Two-headed giant. Yeah. Two-headed giant. You skip the yeah. You skip the draw step because it's right. like two. In games where you have three or more individual entities, entities, entities. Because it is a shared draw step in, in Two Headed Giant. All right, Brian. Which is why it's always right to go second in Two Headed Giant, by the way. Yeah, because you get two cards as opposed get, to. Uh, two cards as opposed to one makes it way better than the tempo advantage of going first. Uh, anyway, so, so what's, what's, what's next? I pre, feel like. Pre combat main. There's, there is a turn based action in pre combat main. It has something to do with arch enemy and schemes. <laughs> Jeez. I, I briefly thought I forgot something important here. What? I thought I forgot to write no. down something important here. No, it's it's arch enemies nonsense. 
write in to JudgeCast and tell us how wrong you think we are by thinking Arch Enemy is, is silliness. But it's silliness. It's very okay. silly. Yes. All right. So pre-combat main. This is the only time that, barring other effects that let you do things at weird times, this is the only time you can play a land, cast sorceries, summon a creature, <laughs> um, <laughs> play uh, uh, or drop one of them sweet, sweet Planeswalker cards that the kids are all raving about these days. Artifacts, enchantments. It's it's funny because like cats and dogs living together, <laughs> mass hysteria. The pre-combat main has like no. Nothing special about it, right? It doesn't have the turn-based action of drawing a card. It doesn't have anything like that. Yeah, it's very few that trigger off the beginning of your pre-combat main. Yeah, it has. That's when like the main phases are when like most of the game happens. Probably (laughs) it's weird. Outside of combat, Uh, yeah, maybe combat. It's hard to tell. Yeah, that's it. Like, there's really nothing to say about it. (laughs) You can play all all your cards. Um, I mean, you can play all your cards. You can activate your planeswalker abilities. You can act. You play lands as a special action. Uh, yeah, there's really not much else yeah. about the main phase. Like, it's nothing special. It's just everything. Yeah, it, it's 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 the one time of the game really that you can do anything you want. Uh. Well, you, you know what I mean. Yeah, you got a sorcery, you can cast it. You got a planeswalker, cast that. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. I feel like there's a rap song there that we're missing somehow, <laughs> but I'm not going to get into it. Probably. Well, let me uh, combat this line of thinking. <laughs> into the. Wow, that was bad. <laughs> that bad. was really bad. It <laughs> was so bad. Uh, let's talk about the combat phase for a little bit, starting with beginning of combat. Maybe uh, one of the lesser known portions of combat. So before we get into the whole... I would say it's the second least known. Yes, I agree. Step. 100%. Yes. Uh, you know, before we get into the whole thing of saying I'm attacking and all that, we have a beginning of combat step. And in this step, all that happens is players get priority and also one obscure turn-based action that, fine, Brian, you can bring it up if you want. Okay, so the turn-based action is in multiplayer, if there's more than one player or more than one opponent, one of those players becomes the defending player. <laughs> Woo! So if you are playing a multiplayer game, the default of the game of Magic is you are going to point to a guy across the table and glare at him menacingly and go, you are my def- are the defending <laughs> player of this game. Defend yourself. Defend yourself. Now, there's variants that actually let you ignore this rule and let you just smash into whoever you want. And that's the way everybody plays. It's the better way. It is the better way. It's so much better. But it's a rule, and yeah. Yeah. So just for the sake of completeness and a little bit of mocking, <laughs> we brought it up. All right. So that's yeah, that's everything for beginning of combat. Generally, it's just a time to, um, I don't know, if you want to animate your man land, stuff like that, before you actually declare your attackers. Tap your opponent's creatures. Yeah, you, yeah. you'd really do that. Yeah, tapping your opponent's creatures is really your last chance to do something, but it's it's... Again, it's really hard for the active player to like do stuff in this phase. Mm-hmm. Like, really, the only, the only, the only time because most of the stuff you can do during your main phase, and why wouldn't you be doing it during your main? Phase? And like, if your opponent has floated mana, you would wait. <laughs> sure, yeah. yeah, I guess so. So, like, if you're, you're like, say you destroyed a bunch of lands during your main phase, and your opponent floated all that mana, so he's got like six mana floating in his mana pool, and so then you move to the beginning of combat steps, so that all that mana has gone away. And then you play things, so we can't counter your spells. Right. 
And if you have something like uh, Cauldron Dance, which can only be played during combat, that like gets you a creature that can attack, something like that, mm-hmm. is really eh. there's not a whole there's not a whole lot that the active player now non-active player. You know, it's basically like there is a shortcut that actually says if I say anything akin to, you know, ready for combat, attacks, uh, I want to battle, anything along those lines, we actually move to the point in the turn where the non-active player has priority during the beginning of combat step. So when he says, okay, or go for it, or got it, or sure, the next thing we do is... Yes. It's a segue. It's a segue. Oh, right, a segue. Um, they uh, the first thing we do after they say that is we go to the declare attacker step, right? And the declare attacker step is the next step after the beginning of combat step. And like many of the steps before it, it has a turn-based action. It starts the uh, starts the 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 step. And the, you do this by declaring attackers. Declaring attackers is the first thing you do before players get priority, before players can uh, activate spells or abilities. So you do this all as one action. If you have three or four creatures and you want to attack with two or three of them, you declare them as attackers, and then they are declared as attackers all at once. And then players get priority. You don't do it one at a time. Uh, which is is uh, something some people mess up, but I think it's really understood. Uh, for the most part, yeah, um, yeah, and then players get priority. And was I'm sorry, CJ, was there something? Yeah, I was just no, nothing you forgot. But I was gonna say the uh, declaring attackers, uh, it, it can get hairier if there are certain, say, requirements that something has to attack or anything weird like that. You know, you have to you have right. to choose a set of attackers that we, we talked about this a little bit in in the question show. But you you have this concept of requirements and restrictions. And so a restriction is saying, you know, something like this creature can't attack alone. And you have requirements where it say something like this creature must attack this turn to Fable. The concept is you want to be able to fulfill as many requirements as possible with your set of attackers without breaking any restrictions. So you have to look at your, your set of attackers. And you have to be like, is this fulfilling all the requirements it can? You know, so if three of your creatures have to attack this turn if able, and you only attack with two of them, well, you're only fulfilling two requirements. You need to fulfill three requirements. Um, things like that. It, it can go real deep, and we've talked about it a little bit before, but I just want to mention that. And one, one other one other point of distinction that I've seen uh, at, at FNMs is once the person, once you've acknowledged that you are in the declare attacker step, so if I go, you know, attacks or combat, and you go, sure, and I start tapping dudes, there is no, in response to you declaring that attacker, I'm going to kill it, and now it didn't ever attack. Yeah. Like when you, when you, when you, it is a turn-based action, nobody gets priority, you turn those dudes sideways, they are now attacking. So anything that, like, triggers whenever X attacks, you know, X happens, it, it just attacked. So, like, ex- you know, uh, exalted triggers and stuff like that are going to happen. You know, you can still kill the creature when you get priority, but, you know, stuff that triggers off of whenever this attacks, it's gonna, you, you don't get to stop those. Yeah, and that reminds me of one last thing, is that if I say combat, and you say, okay, I can't then go, okay, activate my Ink Moth Nexus and attack. 
I already missed out on my opportunity to have priority to be able to activate the Ink Moth Nexus when I asked for combat because I, I passed priority to the non-active player in that situation. And if they don't do anything with it, we move out of combat and we get uh, we move out of beginning of combat and we go into declare attackers. And the moment we're in declare attackers, I no longer have priority, so I cannot activate the Ink Moth Nexus. It's just sad for me. Hey, but there is there is even though you are now getting attacked with stuff, uh-huh. there is there is hope for you. You can there is something you can do after uh, attackers have been declared. Intercept. Uh, yes, intercept. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, what is portal? <laughs> I would like to look what you did to me. Declare blockers. <laughs> declare blockers is the next step. And the very first turn-based action of Declare Blockers is, shockingly enough, Declaring Blockers. Declaring Blockers! So you choose what set of creatures are going to block what other creatures, what attacking creatures, and how all that works out. And it has the same set of requirements and restrictions that attacking does. So you have, if something has to block this turn, if able, and all that, uh, you know, you have to block with it. You have to have, fulfill as many requirements as possible without breaking any restrictions. Then, though, and these, these are where it gets a little... This is, yeah. Uh, yeah, people kind of forget about this, but after I declare my blockers, it is up to the attacking player to choose their combat damage assignment order. So what does that mean? Oh, this is great. This is great. I actually got this question at at Philly where a guy, uh, he double blocks, like a, a, a creature attacks, mm-hmm. the dude double blocks, and the call, and the judge call was, okay, judge, when I double block on Modo, it makes me pick like an order <laughs> or when someone double blocks it makes me pick an order what is that <laughs> that yeah and that's exactly it that's this turn-based action so say i'm attacking brian with a 4-4 and he blocks with a 3-3 and a 2-2 i have to say i'm going to kill this creature first then this creature when it comes time to assign damage now no i'm not assigning damage right now right. i'm just saying so say i would say i'm going to kill the 3-3 first and then the 2-2 the reasoning here is that now that gives Brian an opportunity to know what I'm going to to kill to kill, and so if he wanted the giant growth of three three or healing salve or healing salve or something damage prevention stuff like that. I mean, this is this is basically a concession to combat damage no longer using the stack. Yes. Okay, but or you could you could basically think of it as you know those old Bruce Lee movies where. You know, there's Bruce Lee, and there's just this line of henchmen, yes. and they all walk up to him one at a time. All right, this isn't this isn't him actually, Bruce Lee actually smacking the crap out of all the henchmen. It's the henchmen getting in the line, yeah. That, and and Bruce Lee's just going to he's going to kick the crap out of the first one, then beat the second one up, then the third one, and he's going to continue on down the line until none of them are left. Yeah, that's how I. Uh, I explain it, and it seems to work. People go like, "Oh yeah, Bruce Lee movies." Yeah, okay, okay. sure. Yeah, uh, and you know, one thing I want to I want to mention here for those out there taking judge tests is to note the difference between damage assignment order and damage assignment. Damage assignment happens in the combat damage step, but damage assignment order happens in declare blockers. So, very similarly to that attacking one, though, is say I have something like palace guard that can block any number of creatures. <laughs> It's always palace always guard. guard. It is always palace guard. Uh, this is the palace guard rule that we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, the palace guard rule. Um, <laughs> well, what's There's that, what's a that, few that, others. Yeah, what's that giant, two-headed giant of, of four eyes? Here, I'm going to use two-headed giant of four eyes. 
Oh, I get it. I get the joke. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> I get it now. Who is a 4-4 with trample that says two-headed giant of four eyes can block an additional creature. So I'm attacking Brian with a 3-3 and a 2-2, and he blocks them both with two-headed giant of four eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Old magic cards are so funny. <laughs> he has to do the exact same thing. He has to say, I'm going to kill the 3-3 or the 2-2 first, and then the other one. And that all happens as part of a turn-based action as as part of Declare Blockers. And after all that's done, we finally get priority. He's going down in a blaze of glory. <laughs> eh? Uh-oh. I don't really get it. Yeah, not so much. That's a, that's another one of those old, old cards. Cast Blaze of Glory only during combat before blockers are declared. Target oh, I remember that now. Target creature defending player controls can block any number of creatures this turn. It blocks each attacking creature. It blocks each attacking creature this turn if able. All right, that's pretty cool, actually. <laughs> that, that, and the picture, the picture on the the artwork is a trip because it's like this little dude with a sword, yeah, just just or an axe rather, just wailing or defending from like this big giant horde of whatever. Well, about to be killed by a big giant horde, but yes, <laughs> it was most likely like a banalish hero or something like that. Yeah, he's about to take a lot of Glo- glory seeker. It has to be glory seeker. I. Sure. I mean, basically, it's it's a one mana instant that basically says sacrifice a dude fog. Right. He's um he's about to take a lot of combat damage, wouldn't you say, Jess? <laughs> I, I would say that. Yes. So we're moving to the combat damage set. Um, because we just we just did the we just declared our assignment order, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So the next thing we're gonna do is gonna go to the combat damage set. Uh, no. I want to remind you that after assignment order is declared in the last step, people can play spells and abilities. That is the last chance they have to play spells and abilities before combat damage happens. Because the first thing, the turn-based action that happens in the combat damage step is uh, is combat damage. Like, combat damage gets assigned to each creature, and then state-based actions are checked. So if those creatures have lethal damage, then they are destroyed, mm-hmm. and then players get priority. Yeah. So what happens when I'm attacking with uh, a two-two first strike and also another two-two? Oh no! There's another combat damage step. Oh yeah. After the I first, I totally left that out. No, that's fine. so okay. So to describe it, we have a first combat damage step where we do first strike damage and creatures with double strike, and then we will have another combat damage step. So basically. The way, the way, if you get really down into the nitty gritty of it, the way it works is we have a combat damage step and only creatures that with first strike or double strike deal damage, then you're going to have another combat damage step. So even if I attack you with solely a 2-2 first strike, we have the, uh, we have the combat damage step, he deals his damage, and then we have another one where nobody does their damage. It doesn't like look ahead in time or anything like that for any reason. Yeah. So here's where it can get weird. So let's say I'm attacking with... I'm going to start using White Knight, 2-2 first strike. I'm attacking with White Knight. It deals its damage to Jess. Then I'll play a Humble on it. Something to make it lose all its abilities. So it no longer has first strike in the second combat damage step. What happens? Well, it's uh, it no longer has first strike, right? Mm-hmm. And we're, we're in the regular combat damage step. So you'd think that it might deal combat damage. Yeah, you would think so. But it doesn't. Because the way the first strike, com- or the, sorry, the way the regular combat damage step works is that creatures with double strike 
and creatures that did not deal damage in the first right combat damage. Step. Oh, hold on. Deal damage. Haha, this that's not quite yeah. Oh, this is this is sneaky. It's creatures that didn't have first strike yes. at the beginning. So like if you have a crazy situation of like a zero like your your uh uh like a zero one whatever sheep token with first strike, um and then somehow during the second combat you give it a, a you know, it loses first strike and gets a boost, it doesn't get to deal damage in the second. Well, here's that because it it had first strike when it entered the the quote unquote first strike combat damage step. Yeah, interesting. Even though it didn't deal any damage because it was just a zero one sheep token. Yeah, and I have a good example of that too. Once we start, uh, once we talk about this a little more. Um, so similarly, I have a creature deal double strike damage in the first step, combat damage step, and then I remove double strike from it. Is it going to do damage again? Wait, what? <laughs> it, 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 I have a, that new guy, that 1-1 one, one double strike. So he deals one damage right. to you in the first strike combat damage step, the first combat damage step. Then I remove double strike from him through whatever means. Is he going to deal damage in the second combat damage step? Uh, hmm. <laughs> well, he didn't have first strike at the beginning of the first strike combat damage step, so from the way that you guys just he had, uh, corrected my understanding. Well, he had double strike. Uh, it's, does not have first strike or double strike. He does. He does not. Okay. He does not deal damage. Deal damage. Deal damage second time. But he had so double strike. And now he doesn't. So he struck his one time. All right. Well, good. You sound so dejected. I'm sorry, man. Here, I, I tell you what. He can't. He can do it. <laughs> does, that, does that make you feel better? No. Hey, let me read the okay, rule. Okay, good. We're wrong. But yeah. Let me read the rule. If at least one attacking or blocking creature has first strike or double strike as the combat damage step begins, the only creatures that assign combat damage in that step are those with first strike or double strike. After that step, instead of proceeding to the spoilers end of combat step, the phase gets a second combat combat damage step. Spoilers! The only creatures that assign combat damage in that step are the remaining attackers and blockers that had neither first strike nor double strike as the first combat damage step began. As well as the currently, uh, excuse me, as well as the remaining attackers and blockers that currently have double strike. What does that mean? So to round out this whole thing, I attack with a guy, just a bear cub, and a, and a white knight. So you take the white knight damage because we're gonna have two combat damage steps. Then I give the bear cub double strike. He will, in fact, do damage because otherwise, I don't think he right. would. Yeah, but he will do damage in the regular combat damage step. So here's my crazy example of this is I attack you with a white knight. Okay. You'll first strike damage. Then sure. I ninjutsu. Before we move on to the second combat. Yeah. I, combat damage step. Okay. I ninjutsu in a ninja and let's I don't think there's any printed with first strike, but let's just say it has first strike through whatever means. Um I ninjutsu in a ninja with first strike. He will in fact deal damage to you in the regular combat damage step. Because he take because he did not Begin the combat damage, the first strike, the first strike combat yeah. damage step with first, with first strike because he did not exist at that time. So that is so convoluted. <laughs> that is so convoluted. It is. You get a gold star. Thank you. Yeah, you do. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, way to go, CJ. Yeah, I don't think all them rules. I don't think there's any ninjas with first no, strike. I don't though. think there's any with it naturally. Probably. Obviously, reason. there's a knight. There's a knighthood in play. Yeah, that's what I was saying. There's lots of cards that give first strike to everything. Ob, ob. Okay. Ooh. 
Well, I'm about ready to be done with this. Ah, I'm ruined it. I'm about ready to be to the end of this combat phase. Oh, okay. <laughs> end of combat. I messed it up. <laughs> Don't even edit it out. I gotta live with my shame. You gotta live with it. Yeah. All right. So the the end of end of combat is so all triggers go on the stack that trigger at the end of combat. Sure, whatever. Just like upkeep stuff like that. There's a round of the priority dance, and then so now there's a a, a I don't know. Is this a turn based action or not? It's I don't know. all creatures all creatures stop all all attacking and blocking creatures stop being attacking and blocking creatures and just go back to being regular old creatures. Mm-hmm. So, like, when I declare something as an attacker, it is now an attacking creature, and it remains attacking through combat. And if I declare something as a blocker, it's now a blocking creature, and it remains that way through combat. So it's act- – and that doesn't happen. They don't stop being attacking and blocking until a actual step after combat damage has happened. So there are cards that's like, hey, destroy target attacking creature – you can actually cast that after combat damage has been dealt. If that creature's still alive, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason you wanted to keep it alive during combat, you can be like, bloop, kill that attacking creature. And they're like, but wait, it's not attacking anymore. Oh, yes, it is. End of combat step. Booyah. So I think you're, I think that is a turn-based action, and I think that goes against what I said. I mean, it seems like one, right? I, there's no like formal list of turn-based actions in the CR, so... Uh, other than 703.4, which the turn-based actions are as follows. You know what? <laughs> Hold on. Let's see here. Um, <laughs> immediately after combat damage, immediately after combat damage has been assigned, immediately after the cleanup. Nope, this is not a turn-based action. Weird. So it just happens. It just happens at the end of the end of combat step. I guess because we're leaving combat. <laughs> We're going to say that was a setup. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Except for Soto. You, you don't have to say it was a setup in order for it to say it was a setup. Like, you don't have to. You just keep going. Yeah, well, I'm going to edit that out. Are you? Okay. No, you're Probably. not. Probably not. I don't know. All right. So we're almost at the end here. <laughs> Technically, we are at the end. Oh, no. Oh, I almost forgot. After combat, we have the uh, post-combat main phase. It's easily forgettable. Yeah. There's not much Unless- to say. Unless you play draft or seal, I, I usually play a land during it. I did, but yeah, it's exact same as the first main phase or the pre-combat main phase. So nothing special to say, but you get a whole another main phase. I guess the only special thing really is if you play the land in the first combat, you can't play a land or the first pre-combat main. The first main, you can't play a land in the second main. <laughs> sure, just mixing all the words up. Yeah, you can only play one land a turn. I think pre-post main combat step phase thing. So let's. Let's dive into the ending phase here. The the first step in the ending phase is the end step. <laughs> this wait, so the the first out of the two is the end. The end step. I know, but it solely exists so that, in my opinion, so that beginning of end step triggers can go somewhere. Because you wouldn't want to go be like, uh, when you're almost done with your post combat main phase, this thing yeah, triggers. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're almost. You're not quite there yet. Yeah. Uh, so the, the ending phase is, uh, yeah, that's its main purpose. It doesn't have any turn-based actions. It's just, it's, it's the analog of the upkeep is, yeah. I mean, it only exists for triggers to happen and players to get an opportunity to respond before we go into the turn, the clean, uh, not the clean, I'm sorry, the insteps there for 
end of turn stuff to trigger and an opportunity for you to do stuff before the turn starts to shut down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and shut and, it down. It's <laughs> don't shut it off. I'm warning you. <laughs> Some people, it's it's odd because people don't have this issue with the upkeep, but they do seem to have it with the instep. Where is if you through whatever trickery get something out that has a beginning of the instep trigger, you get it out in the instep when you actually have priority. It's not going to trigger that turn. It's going to wait right. either till your next instep or your opponent's, depending on the wording. But right, yeah, no one has that problem with the upkeep triggers, but with instep, I see. And I should mention the end step is is normally the last opportunity you'll get for a priority. There's only one step left, which is cleanup. But normally that that'll be your last opportunity for a priority in a turn. That's why so many people do stuff in the opponent's end step. Uh, I, we never actually said this, but how do you move from one step to another? Is both players pass priority on an empty stack? Yes. Once that happens, it's the same way you resolve the top object of a stack. Once that happens, we move on to the next step. Usually nobody is actually like, I pass priority. Do you pass priority, sir? You know, yeah. normally you say, you say go. Yeah. Right. And that advances the game to the end step where the opponent has priority. Right. So who wants to clean up this discussion? I don't think it can be. <laughs> but okay, clean up. So two things. Always, always, always happen during cleanup, and then some other stuff maybe might happen, sort of. Okay, the first thing that happens is you discard, as a turn-based action, you discard down to your maximum hand size. Mm -hmm. So if your maximum hand size is normally 7, so you're going to discard down to 7. Okay, maybe it might be 6 if you have some of those rats from Kamigawa block, or you might, yeah, you know, hey. Um, Then the the next turn-based action is is actually two things that happen simultaneously. Okay? So all damage removed from all creatures, all damage marked on all creatures. Okay. I guess goes technically poof. it's removed from all permanents. Sure. I mean it can happen. Uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> that actually could be pretty relevant. Yeah. Technically it is technically it is because, you know, I damage an artifact and the creature and it stops being a yeah, okay. Um, so all damage is removed from all permanents, and then all until end of turn effects and this turn effects end. Now, after this has happened, okay, the game or the turn ends, and we immediately go to untap of the, the next player, unless, unless something has happened. If after all damage has been removed and all until end of turn effects and this turn effects end, the game is going to make one check. It, it checks to it checks to see if there's any state-based actions that need to be resolved or any triggers that need to happen to need to go on the stack. If either of those occur, players get priority. Okay. So an example would be you have eight cards in your hand. Dude has what is it? Lily Liliana's caress. Is that is that the new Megram? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Something like that. So I'll just say Megram. So. <laughs> So my opponent has Megram, and I have to discard. Okay, so I discard during the cleanup. I discard. Uh, uh, I discard down to to seven to, to seven cards. Okay, all damage is removed from creatures. All until end of turn effects end. Then we're about ready to end the turn, but the game goes. You know what? I got this Megram trigger waiting to go on the stack. Let's go ahead and put that on the stack. Okay. Hey, now you've got priority. Now you can do stuff. 
uh, and then that trigger is going to resolve, and you know both players have to pass priority. And then I can play an instant card that lets me draw a whole bunch of cards, like nine more cards, and I can end my turn. And then I have those seven plus nine. I have those sixteen cards to begin my opponent's turn. Right? Yep. Yep. Is that right, Jess? Oh, we lost him. Oh no. Okay. Well, no, we don't. Sorry. No. Uh, oh, eh, well, you no. didn't lose me. Um, anyway, um, so. I've so- got- in my hand. You have the you 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 cut it out there for a minute. I'm sorry. So oh. run that last bit by me again. So after after the Megrim trigger goes on the stack, I have priority. I do stuff. I play that that blue sun zenith card that lets me draw right. a whole bunch of cards. So I I play it for you know x equals nine. I draw nine cards. I end you know turns done over with. I go into my opponent's turn and now I got a handful of gas. Well, I, you forgot a step. What do you mean? I, we just did the end step. We're done. With- you actually did the cleanup step. The- but if anything happens during the cleanup step, if any player gets priority during the cleanup step, then you have another cleanup step. What? What? What do you mean? I got what I mean? I got to start down to my maximum hand size again, but there's a Megrim in play. Hell yeah, that's yeah. way to blue sunset at yourself to death, sir. Oh. Yeah. Yep, the, the cleanup set will repeat itself until nothing needs to be cleaned up, basically. So uh, the one thing I did want to add on about that discarding is to note that that only happens during your turns. So if I do, you know, in my turn with, uh, or say during my opponent's upkeep, I draw 20 cards. When he hits his cleanup step, I don't have to discard. I don't have to discard until it's my turn again. So if I find out some secret way to always skip my cleanup, I guess I never have to discard again. Sure. That would probably be uh, one of those spells that lets you have no maximum hand size. Or that. Yeah. Well, I'm using that Sundial of the Infinite, your favorite card. Yeah. Oh, no, you you do have to clean up when you do that. Yeah, you still ah. clean. All right, yeah. fine. Maybe that, that creature that has you, like, reverse turns and phases and stuff like that. Yeah. And you, mm. keep, and you just keep blinking it, so all you do is just loop around. You just go from <laughs> your, your, your pre-combat main to combat to post-combat main. And yeah, you could go back and forth. With and that then you guy. just go back and forth through combat over and over and over again. Now that is an unglued guy, right? It is an unglued. Yeah, just to be clear, it's not real magic. Silver Borderland. Wow. All right. Yeah, and that's it. A turn's done. Yay! Yay! What is this big scary question about priority pass? This is the question. I don't like this question, but I wanted to go okay. over it because I hear people ask it to like level zeros all the time. I just want to run through it. So it's the whole. Oh, oh you know what it is. I do know uh, what this one is. You know, let's say it's my turn, first turn of the game. I'm on the play, and I'm going to just draw go the entire time. How many times do I pass priority? Okay. So, and look. Wait, what? So all you do, it's turn one of the game. All you sure. do is go land go. How many priority passes? Yeah. How many? How many technically technical? How many priority passes are? And I don't even really want to discuss how many. The actual number. I, I think. I think it's better just to run through it real quick. Yes. So I can do this because hmm. it's my question. So okay. number one, we're going to pass priority in the upkeep. We are upkeep. skipping my draw step. That's where that's where it normally tricks people. Okay. So there's going to be one there. I'm going to pass priority in the pre-combat main. Pre-combat main. I'm going to pass priority in the beginning of combat. Beginning of combat. I have... Oh, you know what? We never got on this topic, though. I know. Even I know. If going. you don't have any creatures, we still go all the way up to declare attackers in a combat phase. So I'm going to pass priority and declare attackers because I have no creatures to attack. If no creatures attack, we then skip the next three steps. So we're skipping declare blockers. We're skipping combat damage. Uh, skip the next two, two steps. Two. Excuse me. Two. 
And then we do still have the end of combat step. So what that means is I'm going to pass priority again in the end of combat. That puts me up at five priority passes. After that, pass priority and post-combat main puts me at six and pass priority at the ending phase. So that's seven priority passes in this situation. But I don't really like this question. <laughs> like, no, it's it's. I think I had because I used to like this question a lot, and then I, I forget who it is, but another judge kind of looked at me and was like, "You realize you, you realize the information that you're trying to get out of this really is if they know their steps and phases. So why don't you just ask them that? Yeah, because because the whole thing about you know skipping your draw phase on the first turn and then the whole you know there's no uh if you don't declare any attackers then there's no blockers and there's no combat damage stuff that's that's not really fair for a level zero and i was like uh yeah i can see that point sure so all right you guys ready to hop into email give them all the questions (laughs) all the questions all the questions all the time yeah i've actually been on a I was on vacation last week, and so I don't think I've read any of these emails, but that's all right. I'll read them now. I answered a few. You answered every one of these. Oh, did I? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, well, then there we go. There we go. Well, I guess I'm not going to be caught caught by surprise by any of these questions then like I am most weeks. Jess, you give us some mail time. Mail time. Love it. Okay, I'm not ever doing that again. (laughs) So, first one comes from Michael Piggott. Piggott? Just say it. Piggott? He says, hello. (laughs) Control a Liliana's caress. That was the new Megrim. Megrim. And rest in peace. Uh, Liliana's caress reads, whenever an opponent discards a card, that player loses two life. Rest in peace reads, uh, when it enters the battlefield, all cards from all graveyards. And if a card or token would be put into, glad they closed that loophole. If a card or token would be put into a graveyard from anywhere, exile it instead. He says he causes his opponent to discard a card. His effective question is: Would Liliana's caress triggers trigger? Because the question is: the card's being discarded, but it's not going to the graveyard. It's going to be exiled. Yeah. If the definition is, it's basically putting the definition, or he's trying to put the definition of to discard a card means to take it from the hand and put it in the graveyard. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, since I'm never putting it in the graveyard, I'm never discarding the card. Right. But that. Yeah, that's not how that works. That's not yeah. how that works. No, that's not how that works. Um, nice try, though. Yeah. Valiant, valiant effort. You did yeah. not break the game. I think I was like, I was like, you started to discard, and the event was modified, but you discarded. That's close enough to count for Liliana's caress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hmm. I don't know how to exactly define discard because it's just it's something that can be done to cards in your hand. Like you discard them. It doesn't mean something too specific. You know, the game just cares that if I say discard this, you're going to discard it. Yeah, it's it's remove it. It's remove it from your hand. And start to put it where it's supposed to go, which is the graveyard, but that can be modified by by other stuff, mm-hmm. like leyline of um, black, <laughs> black leyline. <laughs> yeah, black leyline, void, void, void. leyline of the void. All right. Or like rest in peace. All right. Next question from John Kovach. He says he has a question about the return to Ravnica inner uh, mechanic populate with cards like Elemental Appeal. I'll read Elemental Appeal. It's a uh, Sorcery, got kicker, it doesn't really matter. The point is, it's sorcery for a bunch of mana, and it says, put a 7-1 red elemental creature token with trample and haste onto the battlefield, exile it at the beginning of the next end step. If elemental appeal was kicked, blah, blah, blah. So, his question is, at the end of turn, I'll let you handle this one, Jess. At the end of the turn, 
He has the 7-1, and he's populated a token of it, too. Will the populated token be exiled? No. No, it won't. Unless I'm misreading Elemental Appeal. No, you are correctly reading Elemental Appeal. Um, So, the the, the analogous situation to this that people sometimes mistake it for is doubling... Or not doubling, but um, Parallel Lives, Mm -hmm. um, which which would work that way. Like, if Parallel Lives causes the same effect to put multiple tokens into play, all of them would be exiled. But in the case of Populate, you're making an entirely new token that is not related to the effect that created the first token. Right. So, yeah, for these kinds of situations, because you just kind of have to read the card. So in this situation, Elemental Appeal is it's creating the token, and then it's creating this delayed um, triggered ability that says to exile it at the beginning of the next end step. So yeah. Elemental Appeal is the one that created that Delayed trigger. So that delayed trigger has nothing to do with the populated token. Nope. So, but like another example would be um, ball lightning works, doesn't it? I think. Yeah, yeah. Say I have a ball lightning out, and then I make a token copy of it, and then I populate the token copy of it. So the relevant part here is ball lightning has text on it that says, "At the beginning of the end step, sacrifice ball lightning." Uh, if you have a token copy of that that was populated, naturally it's going to get sacrificed sacrificed at the beginning of the next end step because it has that ability on it. Does that make sense or was I just rambling? But I can clearly not populate the token in front of me. But I can clearly not populate the token in front of you. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know what you guys are saying. What? <laughs> <laughs> I know that you're a judge and as a judge you've studied. <laughs> and in studying you must have learned that the tokens, the tokens are mortal. Die. <laughs> tokens are mortal. <laughs> Our next In the, you, are you lost? I am. He's lost. What you guys? He is totally lost. That's uh, funny. But we're playing with the 250 card deck here, so. Oh. Uh, okay. I guess I guess to Cecilia. Now I'm on board. I haven't seen this book in a while. <laughs> uh, never go, never go in against the Celestia when it's <laughs> on the line. Okay. Wow. Celestia, wow. Our next question is from Zach Wilson. And he has a question about how Selesnia Charm interacts with Wolfier Silverheart. Wolfier Silverheart is that bro that has Soul Bond, and as long as he's paired with another creature, each one gets plus four, plus four. So, he says, uh, I'll twist his question a little bit. Say he pairs it with a four, four. So, basically, he now has two eight eights, because they're both Soul Bonded. And he has two Selesnia Charms in hand. His question is, he casts Selesnia Charm. Oh, I should uh, read the relevant portion of Celestia Charm, probably. It's a modal spell. Yes, it is. And the mode we are interested in here is exile target creature with power 5 or greater. So, he has two Celestia Charms in hand. He casts one targeting the Wolfier, and then another, in response to the first one, targeting the champion. Yeah. Yeah, basically, he just want, he wants to use the Celestia Charm to get rid of both dudes. Yes. And so the question is, and Selesnia Charms, exile target creature with power 5 or greater. They both have power uh, 5 or greater. Get rid of them, right? I want to exile those two dudes. So does that work? Can't do that. I don't know. Jess, can he do that? No. <laughs> well, he, I can I can cast both Selesnia Charms, right? Right. Yes. So I get him. They're both dead or exiled. Get him out of there. Uh, or not? Uh, yeah, I'm confused here. Like that's okay. so ba- basically. Okay, if you cast Celestia Charm on um, one of the two dudes, let it resolve. Then 
the the other dude is not going to be an eight eight anymore. It's going to be a four four, and you can't cast the second Celestia charm. Right? No, no, no. Okay. I get that. Okay. But like the I second the, the second situation is I cast I I, ca- I go charm charm or I oh he's doing charm. it without passing priority. Right. If yeah. I, I, okay. cast, I cast Celestia charm, holding priority, cast another Celestia charm, targeting the other dude. I can target both. That is true, but both of them will not resolve. Only one of them resolves because the other one, the other one doesn't have a legal target anymore. So, so basically, this this spell has a target has, has a condition of target creature with power five or greater. So, in order to cast the spell, that that target has to meet the, that criteria, which is creature with power five or greater. But spells with targets also check on resolution as to what the if the target's still valid. So the two Celestia charms you cast, cast, blam, blam, cast, cast. One of them's going to resolve, exiling, let's say, the Silver Heart. Okay. Okay. My my random four four, my random uh, eight eight dude is going to go back down to being a four four. Then the second Celestia charm is going to go to resolve, and it's going to say, "Wah, what's the deal, bro? Why is my guy only a four four now?" Countered upon resolution by the rules of the game. Yeah. Due to a right. target. So no, and I feel like I should mention since you choose the modes when you're casting the spell, you can't like be like, oh, I'm gonna change the mode now. Then yeah, I wanted to it. totally get that plus two plus two. Yeah, so that then I can cast my third Celestia charm and really kill it. This <laughs> time. No, yeah, you can't do anything like that. So great, we have one last question, also from John Kovach, who uh, come on guys, one email. No, I don't care. I like lots of emails. Recently. My friends and I were playing a multiplayer game. I was playing an older Izzet deck, and player B was playing Storm. It was player B's turn. I cast Pyromatics. I don't know what that is. Pyromatics. It's one of them old cards. Replicate for one and an R. Yeah. <laughs> Let me read the reminder text of Replicate for everyone. When you cast this spell, copy it for each time you paid its Replicate cost. You may choose new targets for the, for the copies. And it deals uh, one damage to start creature or player. So not too bad. So he cast Pyromatics and replicated it for six copies. That's a lot of mana. Then player B cast Grape Shot, which has Storm. So it, it will be copied for each time a spell was cast this turn. Targeting him. John says that the opponent only cast one spell. Oh, I'm sorry. John thinks that he only cast one spell, and the opponent thinks he cast seven spells. So the question is here, are the replicated copies considered cast or not? Do they count for Storm? No. Yeah, no, Replicate just copies it. It does not cast another copy, although there are cards that do that. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the Replicate mechanic is not one of the things yep. so, that, that does. Yeah, and all, yep. all that really matters there is copying a spell is not casting a spell. You know, putting a spell on the stack without casting it is not casting it. Yup. Yep. The relevant rules, 706.10, to copy a spell or activated ability means to put that copy onto the stack. Oh, a spell rules. isn't yawn... <laughs> Isn't cast and a copy of an activated ability is inactivated. I gotta say, I've probably read that first strike rule more than I've read any other rule because it took me forever to get it, that it down. Is, it is in lawyer ease. Yeah. Where it's like, everything that's not doesn't not didn't do. <laughs> and, and everything that still didn't does have double not first strike. <laughs> so. If you, the loyal listeners out there, would like to send us an email, you can email us at judgecast at gmail.com. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash judgecast. And you can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash judgecast. 
one one other one, one brief thing at at GP Philly, mm-hmm. I had a lot of uh, uh, a lot of judges and a few players come up and be like, "Hey, uh, I recognize your voice," or "Are you Brian?" or "Love the show." That kind of thing. It, it was it was good to it was good to hear that that uh, uh, you know we get emails where people are asking questions, and they normally preface it with like, "Hey, love the show. Here's a rules question for you." <laughs> in, in a in a way, it, I want to say it's um, it it means it it means a lot hearing that people like the show. It means a lot when people come up at events that we're working and say like, Hey, really enjoy the show. We like it more than judge cast North. Those <laughs> sort of statements mean a lot to me. Mm-hmm. Appreciate I appreciate it. Sure. Uh, I've got a, I've got a couple of those at GPs, uh, not the judge cast North issue, but you know, the rest of them. Mine was uh, actually, I'm a Canadian and I like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I, um, I should mention this because this guy came up to me at, at one of my PTQs and said he's a fan of the show and all that. And he gave me these custom tokens that he makes, and they're pretty uh-huh. sweet, like of spirits and zombies. Now I'm keeping the zombie ones, but I'll probably send out the uh, spirit ones next time we have a contest. I'll send out a few of them. Uh, his name is Adam Jury, and he has AdamJury.com. I can't figure out his website for specifically selling the tokens, but they were pretty cool. And since he gave me free stuff, I will plug him right now. <laughs> So, That's cool. Yeah, guys, def- definitely. You know, if we're if we're at events and you see us, come up, come up, say hi. You know, we love love meeting uh, uh, listeners. We love getting feedback. Judges thrive on fe- feedback. You know, that's one of the things. I, the, whenever I've met somebody that's uh, that's told me, "Hey, I like your show. I like your show. Uh, I like Judge Cast." One of the things I always ask him is, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm glad you like it and you listen to it. What can we do to make it better? Yeah. And sometimes they just freeze up and they're like, oh, I, I hadn't thought about that. It's like, really? Dude, give us feedback. Like, I'm, I'm a series with that question. Like, We've gotten ridiculously low, like, anything ever saying, hey, here's how you can improve. We almost never get that. And I would really appreciate it. They they had a, an article on uh, Gathering Magic where one of the guys was talking about all the podcasts. Uh-huh. And he had a, and he had like a little paragraph blurb about our show and I read it. And it was it made me laugh because where he's talking about like all the other guys, you know, and like fun and listen to and he gets to our and he's like, these guys you know, talk about really dry stuff. <laughs> they try to make it interesting. Most times they succeed. <laughs> um, please note, you cannot listen to this as a background podcast. Yeah. It requires full attention. Oh, yeah, there's this thing called Judge Cast North, too. Moving on to the next <laughs> podcast. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, before we end the show, and people can go, go to our Facebook page to see this, but on one of these shows, I mentioned that you could have some sweet detain deck where you just skip your turns infinitely and uh and but you could detain someone's creature and by skipping your turns infinitely that creature would never become undetained some yeah. some guy built a uh, a whole deck around that concept andrew andrew wilson andrew wilson yeah so he he, he sent me uh because he's he's a local player here mm-hmm. he, he came up and he's like okay when you guys said that you're you're a hundred percent sure on that right i'm like yes he's yeah like because because I'm writing an article about that combination. I was like, yes, I'm fine. And then like a week ago, I get the email again. He's like, okay, I'm about to publish it. Are you absolutely <laughs> positively sure it works this way? Yeah, that that was so funny. I, I really loved seeing that article <laughs> off of my stupid joke idea. All right, so if you guys don't have anything else, I'm ready to end this show. Are you guys ready? I think so, yeah. Like, uh, 
you know, all I can say is really, you know, get out to the polls, make your vote count. <laughs> sure. Uh, and- <laughs> mate? Who's your running mate? Um, oh no, I like, I, I've, I've got to carry Florida, right? Like, so, so Pearl, uh, Brian Perlman is my running mate, although it could be our chief of staff. Yes. Oh. Okay with that. Yes. <laughs> You can be. I'll, I'll be. I'll be your Joe Biden to your Barack Obama, and that would make that CJ was Hillary Clinton. Uh, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I would like to thank everyone for listening. For all of us here at Judgecast, my name is CJ Schroeder. I keep it fair. It's Jess Dunks. I keep it fun. I'm Brian Perlman. I keep it in the Electoral College. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know, know what these that ever mean. Yeah, I don't know. What that means. Yeah, that's I'm fine. Not, it's fine. End the show. Let's talk about you and me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Let's talk about steps, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Oh, all right. So we'll start off. We're, we have Brian. We are so white. Talk about GP Philly. I am incredibly white. I can't even describe. <laughs> we are so. We are so white. <laughs> if a black hole ever absorbed me, it'd just become a gray hole. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> CJ is so white that it is the only thing that a black hole cannot completely absorb. Yeah. Science joke. Wouldn't that make you some kind of like superhero or something? That's like, going into the end of the episode. <laughs> it's a.